los uruguayos somos, eh, como cualquier otro hombre del mundo, seguramente la, la suma de una cantidad de, de cosas. Desde hace mucho nos identifican, entre otras frases, con una que dice que aquí en Uruguay, naides es más que naides. O tal vez sea la expresión de un deseo. Por tanto, ese sentido de que tenemos que tener todas oportunidades y ser iguales nos viene como en el alma también. been here before this coastline this city I was looking for something then but instead I found this Uruguay the tiny underappreciated South American country tucked between Argentina and Brazil only three million people live here half of them in the capital city of Montevideo. I love this city. I love this country. I mean, there's a vibe here that just, it's unlike any other place on the continent. It's, it's the opposite of New York in a lot of ways. Like, people aren't pushy here, you know. In New York, everybody's like sort of hungry and pushing and moving. Here, it's extremely laid back. The only competition is, is soccer. That's the only time well, that you get competitive, and it gets extreme. Ignacio Matos is the chef-owner of three very successful restaurants in New York City. Estela, Café Altro Paradiso, and Flora Bar. He's been a New Yorker for the past 12 years, but he comes from here. Uruguay is a pretty chill and relaxed place where you just can disconnect from everything. For me, it's a melting pot. It's mostly Spanish and Italian immigrant food. Bar Arocena in Montevideo's Carrasco neighborhood specializes in Uruguay's unofficial national sandwich, the legendary Chivito. 24 hours a day, seven days a week since 1923. A prince, a king, a gargantua among sandwiches, this terror-inspiring heap of protein is built out of steak, ham, bacon, cheese, hard-boiled egg, mayo, and garnishes. That looks like a perfect sandwich. Now, last time I was here, I have to admit that after about six days, I would have killed somebody for a vegetable. I mean, I didn't see the You're going to feel like that very soon. Nacho, as he's called by nearly everyone, started his career at the age of 17 with the master of fire and burning wood, Argentinian chef Francis Malman, and stayed with him for 10 years before moving to the U.S. 
working for Francis Malman, I felt at home. They were just a bunch of outsiders that they found a place where they belong, you know, finding this new culture and like new flavors. How often do you come? Every two years. And how long do you spend? I usually spend a week. Why so little? We live in New York. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I love it here, but it's, yeah. you know, you have to come in to get here. But, you know, you were born here. You spent your childhood here. Do you feel the way I feel about this place? It, it is special, right? I, I think it's special, but I'm so far detached from it. Right. But I can go back to that, and I can just connect. Well, we'll see. Over the next few days, we'll see that he can just slide right back in. Oh, we, we will. <laughs> oh, we will. There's no other way out. There's no other way around it. You have to. to know about Uruguay. It's progressive. Weed is legal. Abortions are easily accessible. Gay marriage, universal health care, free education, including college. And democracy is no joke here. 96% of eligible Uruguayans voted in the last election. Compare that to barely 60% here in the U.S. There's something really special about this place. You like it? It's really one of my favorite countries. It's really amazing. Uh, Many Uruguayans could say that it is the worst well, place of the. <laughs> a lot of it. That, that's weird. Some of the Uruguayans I've spoken to are very ambivalent yeah. about. The I country. like it, but you know. And uh, this I don't really it understand. Is. I meet Karina Novarese, a journalist and editor with the newspaper El Observador at Escaramusa Cafe and Bookstore. I think. This thing that Uruguayan has that is kind of pessimistic and is always sometimes complains too much about what what we have comes from before, 1930s, 40s, and after the, the Second World War, the Switzerland of the Americas, as they used to call us. There are a few reminders of colonial days in Montevideo, but plenty of evidence that this is the chief city of a dynamic and progressive country. It was a pretty cool society. Healthcare was free. Cradle to grave, uh, education. Also, free. a very big medium class. That is very important for Uruguay. Right. That began to change after the 60s and 70s. Right. One could say that the prospect of socialist or, God forbid, communist movements in Latin America in the 60s was an area of great concern for the U.S. and its more authoritarian leaning allies in the region. 
So the emergence of the radical National Liberation Movement, known as the Tupamaros, was cause for alarm at the CIA. A lot of things happened in the 60s in the context of Latin America. A lot of students, uh, young people were very active in politics. They weren't the low classes, as you could say. Right. They weren't the, the poor people who were These doing are this. These middle class kids and highly radicalized. Yeah. At the beginning, I think they really thought they could change the system. With covert and overt support by our country, a state of emergency was declared and a right-wing dictatorship grabbed hold of the instruments of power launching a period of repression that lasted from 1973 until 1985. Supported and often guided by CIA officers, trained in what we call these days enhanced interrogation methods, some of the most brutal bastards in the ugliest military juntas on Earth crushed minds and bodies in cells across Latin America. What kind of people were finding themselves swept up? Especially teachers, uh, professors from, from university. Uh, troublesome um, intellectuals. Sometimes lawyers or... Something like 3 to 5% of the entire population uh, had gone through the, the, the prison system. I mean, mm -hmm. we're not talking about incarceration. We're talking no, about... No, 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 They were tortured and then kept inside a prison system that was specifically designed to pretty much destroy them. In the mid-1980s, the people of Uruguay had had enough. Massive demonstrations and strikes finally forced the government to hold elections, and the military was swept from power. We're now a democratic country since 1984. And how's it going? I think it's going well. We have troubles. We are in Latin America. We like to believe that we are a European country. We are not. But are you optimistic? I am. I am. I don't, I don't see like a huge crisis coming. But also, when they came, you never realized before. So. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When people think of this often overlooked little country, if they think of it at all, they tend to think of it patronizingly as Argentina's little brother. Not so. And that attitude pushes people here to think of themselves in many ways as existentially in opposition to their bigger, louder neighbor. Where were you born? Uh, are you from Montevideo? No, no, uh, no, I'm from Argentina. Is it a big difference culturally, Argentina, Uruguay? Here, if you're a little bit courageous, 
then you made it, you know? It's a thing here. Like, to be flashy, yeah, it's, it's a thing. To be successful, it's not something that, that it's well seen. There's a saying, quedate en la chiquita, it means stay in the small thing, you know? Right. Quedate en la chiquita. It's something that defines right. Uruguay in a way. Lucia Soria is the chef and owner of Jacinto in Montevideo's old city. She worked with Nacho back in the Malman years. What was it like for a woman working in the restaurant industry in the early 2000s? I was very lucky because Francis, he had like this army of women, no, around him. You were surrounded by women from the beginning? Yes. Yeah. Is that an unusual situation in Uruguay, do you think? I mean... No. I'm not asking you, man. You're, not, you're a man. I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, it's not like a woman. The food here takes its cues from Spain and Italy. Homemade gnocchi with mushrooms and pumpkin. Prawns with avocado, apple, and wasabi. Beef tartare with quail egg. So when you were first planning the menu for this place and thinking about the concept, yeah. what inspired you? I wanted to have like a small restaurant, but that you could have a very nice everything, but small, you know? One fish, right. very nice and a lot of vegetables, you know? Right, this, this, this is the most vegetables I've ever seen in this country yeah. all at one time. We're all driven people at this table. You yeah. Know, you went all the way to New York. You have how many restaurants in New York now? Just one, two, three. 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 Nice number, man. You're not lazy. No, you could have seven. <laughs> I'm gonna guess you're like this yeah. too. We're all yeah. driven people. So where is your happy place? Well, I, I, I got married on Saturday. This, and, uh, Saturday? Yes. That, that was the day that I felt happy all day. But it's good because you cannot have happiness all the time, no? Happiness no, no. is a thing that... Happiness all the time is fascism. No, it, it doesn't it's oppressive. exist, man. It's oppressive. You're it's not a, doing anything. You're in. You're... But, but if you have a few moments a week where you, where you just go, yeah. oh shit, I'm happy. Yeah. What? It sneaks up on you. Yeah. Which is more satisfying, eating a good meal yeah. or cooking a good meal for somebody you really care about? I think eating. <laughs> I, I, I actually enjoy both, but I don't want to hear anything. I don't want you to talk to me. I just want to see your expression, like seeing your connecting without having to have a dialogue about it. I'm not sure. I'm cooking for customers. That's a different experience. Making an omelet mm. for someone. In the morning? After, you're saying, yeah. It's really the best. The guy that, that I married, I was with him for the first time. And I cooked three eggs, two asparagus, and five cherry tomatoes with my heart. And we had this small but very beautiful uh, breakfast, brunch, lunch. It's the best thing ever. You're gonna make me cry. You know? You're gonna make me cry. There's some basic urge that made all of us at this table want to cook. Yeah. There is a desire to say something you can't say, to nurture. It's so basic and it's so beautiful that it's so basic.
Ivan, Porla Aspalda got together in 1996 when they were all just teenagers. They were considered pioneers of the DIY hardcore movement here. Two decades on, they're still one of the country's most popular bands, and they recently opened for Iggy Pop. Right, so what does everybody do here? What do you do? I'm a psychologist. A psychologist. This will come in useful later. <laughs> Musician and... Uh, writer, too. Writer and uh, restaurateur. Yeah. I work in post-production. Post-production. Yeah. That could be... Actually, this is a very useful table. <laughs> Fermin, the lead singer and songwriter, grew up with Nacho. Tuca and Valentin play guitar. What do people like to listen to in Uruguay? It's a very musical country, I think. Do you know Candombe? Yeah. Okay, that, that's our like our native uh -huh. rhythm. And the folklore from here, it used to be called protest, protest music. music. So it was like late 60s, early 70s was the most popular music, but then came the dictatorship. Right, yeah, so no more and that. everybody had to leave the country. Yeah, dictatorships are usually like usually bad for music. Yeah. They're good for the underground music scene, <laughs> yeah. but not so good for not the... Not for the popular music. You want to smoke? Yeah, sure. I brought some. Excellent, good idea. <laughs> I, I, I am permitted to smoke weed on camera now. Yeah, now you're in Uruguay. I am observing local custom. Proceed to smoke weed. It's cool, everybody's doing it. Somebody called the Elfin Jeff Sessions. He'll shit himself. How long has weed been legal here? One year. One year, year. Maybe, yeah. Awesome. But here, like, you could smoke in the street for always. always. Do you have dispensaries? Do you have stores you yes, can go to? Yes, that's into? the problem here now. The pharmacies cannot sell because the... The international accounts. banks right. don't want to accept drug money. So yes. if I were to open a marijuana hydroponic farm... You can have your club. All right, when, when are we starting this? <laughs> I don't know, man. Let me smoke another joint. What to do next? Pizza and beers go at Bar Las Flores. So um, here's an interesting question. What is the national pathology of, of Uruguay? This is uh, the envy from... Envy? Yes, Uruguayan are very envy. You always envy, uh, like, I cannot envy a very big guitarist, guitar player. I, I cannot envy Paco de Lucia. I, I will envy this kind of guitarist plays almost like me, just a little better. Just a little <laughs> just better. Just a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The envy is between brothers. Right. Is this a destructive envy? The Uruguayans want other Uruguayans to succeed. As long as they're yeah, far yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not my neighbor. Not in my neighbor. <laughs> this is an honest man. I really like you. I him. love this Uruguayan. He's in Mexico. It's great. I feel like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> The pizza here is a bizarro stoner hybrid topped with thin chickpea flatbread. Why? I don't know. Makes sense, though. 
The one on top there is a final. You should put final on top of a pizza mozzarella. Really? We call this pizza no cheese. No. Yeah. He's a vegan, so he's. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can work with you. 22 years of vegan. Vegan? Yes, in Uruguay. Wow, that is a revolutionary position. <laughs> they used to be vegan, too. Yeah. You're such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be a very vegan military. So what did you, what did you eat? Pizza. Yeah, but Pizza. no cheese. Yeah. Yeah. And this is on health grounds, or you hate to hurt animals? I don't know. OK, if you had to kill Fred Durst or a cow. Oh. Or a cow. Fred. Fred. <laughs> Look this one. Iggy Pop or a cow? I like Iggy Pop, but I will have to kill him. No! No! no. I saw him live. Oh, no. I just saw him live. You're a monster. You are not my therapist. El país que come más carne en el mundo es Uruguay. Eh, cuando los españoles desembarcaron en Uruguay, que, que dejaron 7.000 cabezas de ganado y a los 10 años se multiplicó en 70.000. Hoy somos 3 millones de habitantes, pero tenemos 12 millones de cabezas de ganado. Eh, ya decidimos que era un país carnicero, que íbamos a comer carne. es Carnelandia. Al igual que Disneylandia, nosotros pusimos Carnelandia. Bueno, nosotros vendemos por día aproximadamente 3.200 kilos, 3.500 kilos de carne. Bueno, acá vendemos mucha carne envasada al vacío, hecho con muchas pulpas, asado, picada, mucha carne de cerdo, bondiola, eh, jamón, carré, chinchulines. Molleja, chotos, pollo, pulpón, etcétera, etcétera, etcétera. País Uruguay, eh, cuando festejamos, nos falta el asado. All right, meat. I want meat. This is the place. Yes, yes, I do. This must, this must be the place. His friends say Marcelo Kivan looks German. Hence the name of his small neighborhood restaurant, Parija El Alaman. The beating heart of the place is, of course, the Parija, a grill where dripping meats of many kinds are slowly cooked over glowing wood coals. Why is this an Uruguayan thing? Why here? I mean, I know you, you're a cattle country. I think the first settlers, when they came in, they realized there was nothing else but raising cattle, and they let right. it grow wild, uh -huh. and they overpopulated. And, you know, gauchos, they would from the land right. and they will kill it on right. the spot and actually cook it right there right there on the spot actually like a lot of times on with skin on really 
Borsia or blood sausage. Oh, now this is what it's all about for me, man. Every great culture does this. It's moist. I love it. Right when you kill it, it's pretty amazing. Look, when they kill me, that's the way I want to go. You know, keep the heart beating, pump the blood into the bucket, let the village women come and make sausage. <laughs> then chorizo, then steak. Gotta have that. In this case, ribeye. You should spend more time in this country. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been gone for 17, 18 years. Yeah. It feels kind of like the same. That's the magic about this place. It's like, it feels like traveling into the past. I don't see Starbucks on every corner. I don't see McDonald's. It's sort of unspoiled, right? This is pretty awesome. I mean, am I missing something? Is there something that really sucks about this country that I don't, I'm not seeing? I think this, this society is like very patriarchal. Ah. And it has a lot of colonial tradition that overshadows. Yeah, but compared, compared to what? Compared to who? Who's doing really great in that department? De Denmark? It's, it's like the happiest country on earth. I hate happy. I mean, you want to be surrounded by happy people? Do you, do you notice how melancholic this place it is? <laughs> and nostalgic? It's like you walk on the street and you just like feel it. It's yeah. like the melancholy, it's... I like that. Nacho Matos grew up about 45 minutes north of the capital in Santa Lucia, a small town of 16,000 people surrounded by farmland and cattle and sheep ranches. I think as a childhood, it was an incredible place to grow up. You know, like escaping and going fishing on the river and it's pretty safe, you know, like the doors were always open. But that I didn't feel like I fit it at all. I needed to find a place and a way to express myself. We were raised, it's very liberal, but at the same time, it's conservative. As a teenager, it was kind of like everything the same. It just didn't feel that interesting. And yeah, it wasn't fun as a teenager. His family owned a dairy farm just outside of town. Nacho's mother, Gloria, runs the farm along with his brother, Leandro. Nacho's sister, Rocio, lives in Montevideo, but comes home often for family meals like this. What's the name of this town? You grew up here? This Santa house? Lucia, yeah. You grew up in this house? Yes, for most, the most part, yeah. It's beautiful. Why would you ever leave this place? It's fantastic. He never liked this place. No. No, never. I felt like he had, like, anger of being on such a small town. He always had, like, been on the front. I couldn't fit in here, so I get out of the house and, you know, I actually call her and say that I wanted to go to culinary school. This is what I want to do. I need support and I, I pay you back. And one year goes and I drop it to go work for Francis. I, I, I love that you went from being a vegan to working with Francis Mom. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the, the Satan of vegans. What was at the dinner table when you grew up? Mom wasn't that, it wasn't that skillful in the oh, kitchen. It's cold, man. I know, but is it true? She was the one in charge. So you grew up eating a lot of Italian food? Yes. Nacho's grandmother, Ercilia, was born here, the child of Italian immigrants. I grew up around my grandmother, like, constantly cooking, and that was her form of affection and a way of, like, showing that she cared and she loved you. 
también. Bueno, en, en eso si te queda un poco blanda no se van a dar cuenta. No. Tuco, her version of Sunday gravy, is made from pancetta, cured pork ribs, and hunks of beef simmered for hours. ¿Orégano le echas? Sí, después. ¿Desde cuándo? ¿Siempre orégano? Siempre los tucos llevan. There's also matambre, a local specialty of rolled stuffed beef served alongside Russian salad. So when did you start cooking? I think I think it was like my mom get divorced and I realized that she needed help and I started cooking mm -hmm. as a way of yeah support. Mm -hmm. Then I decided to become vegan and she was like she threw the towel and now I was like <laughs> and she stopped cooking for us. Right. So I started taking the initiative and I started cooking. Well, you had to because I, I you were the only vegan in all of Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> How often does he come back? Two years. It's been two years. I like it. I like it. I like it in a different way. I like it. I like it far away. <laughs> if he would find the 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 thing to do here, like he would be happy. But the the things he wants to do are not here. Buenísimo, Leandro, eh? Sí. Yeah, it's good. It's so comforting. Yeah. It makes me happy. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. depende de los días, los vientos como estén, se pesca mucho por el viento acá. Este, los vientos del este entran pescado para cosa Ignacio. No había registro de pescadores en kayak acá en Uruguay y, y bueno, tratamos de inventar y, y de, de buscar un, una estrategia para hacer esto y bueno, poco a poco lo hemos ido mejorando. Fishing from kayaks is, is amazing. First of all, it's easy, really easy. You don't need any motor, nothing. You just bring the kayak to the shore and paddle in. La pesca en kayak tiene algo diferente que pescar de la costa porque da más posibilidades. Lo que más amo del océano es el espacio sensación de libertad que da salir y tener todo un océano para ti. Es como tratar con algo vivo.
Este, este es uno de los mejores lugares de, de pesca. Es la mejor geografía que conozco. He viajado por el mundo. Y la verdad que cada día que vengo acá me enamoro de este lugar. couple of hours east of Montevideo, the coast, and the seaside towns of high-gloss, big-money Punta del Este, and the slightly more laid-back Jose Ignacio, once a sleepy fishing village and now a Hamptonian vacation hotspot for the money class from all over the world. Cantina del Vigia, thankfully, is open in the off-season. Diego Robino is a film producer and occasional fisherman. And Claude Dimet is a chef and owner of a posada in Jose Ignacio. So what town is this? Where am I? This is Maldonado. Maldonado. And this is like the capital of all these fancy beach towns. But this is where the working class people live. Most people live all the year. Cantina's chef owner is Frederico De Seno. Like Nacho, another Francis Malman veteran. Diego brought some fish he caught today. We got empanadas with corn and shredded slow-cooked beef. Oh, nice. Love it. Oh, I'm liking this meal already. There's goat cheese and spinach croquettes. Mm. Nice. Oh, look at that. This is the catch of the day. Beautiful. So today, uh, Diego went one of the roughest days in the ocean to get to get fish somehow. We're talking about like hard work. I mean, the kitchen is hard, but like fishermen. No, the fact that you are alone in the middle of the ocean with uh, all this testosterone around you. <laughs> That's why we play soccer. <laughs> there are two wood-fired ovens producing this thing. Provoletta, a beautiful slab of cheese which puffs up and inflates in the heat. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, this is the, the cheese. History, this is the cheese. Normally, if you are doing a grill with friends, this is the only thing you will get mm -hmm. that is not meat. Whole roasted suckling wild boar. <laughs> wow, that's spectacular. And whole roasted fish. And milanesa, here in Uruguay, not veal as in Italy, but a pounded, breaded, and fried hunk of beef covered in tomato sauce, ham, and melted mozzarella cheese. Oh, more cheese, all right. <laughs> this is milanesa napolitana. Right. And it's a typical dish, and the people yeah, here eat a lot of milanesa. We grow up with this. All the people. Holy moly. Yeah, you know this is good cold, too, right? First thing in the morning? Cold? It's great. Do you, you have an instinctive sense in this country what people need. <laughs> How much you love in Uruguay? 
You still loving it or you changed your mind? I love it. It's beautiful, but laid back. You haven't changed that, your mind a little bit? No. Feel tense about anything? I smoke a little weed, I feel better. Yeah. I'm getting hungry, actually. Yeah, what's on the menu tonight? Got some quinoa, maybe some quinoa. I don't, I don't think it exists quinoa here. It might, it might exist in some yeah. health I don't store, even right? know what it is. I don't know that I've ever had it. It's like, I used to really like kale. I used to love kale, but now I don't want to eat it because it's... Like, pretty genuine. They're making, like, smoothies out of this shit. Are you doing get, steak? If we can do steak, that's that's what you eat. <laughs> that's that's what we have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking just off the top of my head, what do I want tonight? Uh, how about meat? Yeah, yeah, meat. I, I know where to go. I've actually never been. This friend uh, told me about it. But the funny thing is the uh, drive-thru. Drive-thru steak. I know. Like, I'm as surprised as you are. Cocktails? Do we get cocktails in the drive-thru? I doubt, but I'm sure we can get some beer. All right, steak it is. Let's do it. Diego wants you to know that his other car is a Ferrari. for drive-through steak. Hola, las nenas, buenas tardes. Hola, ¿qué tal? ¿Cómo estás? Ah, ¿te puedo pedir un pedido de que sean dos entrañas, un ojo de bife? Bárbaro. ¿A qué punto? Jugosa. Jugosa, jugosa toda. Y una, unas papas y una, una morcilla. Y para ver, eh, beer o... Cerveza. Ya, beer. Bárbaro, en la siguiente ventanilla le cobramos. Ok, gracias. Gracias a vos. That we have uh, knives and forks somewhere? Inside of each box? Oh, okay. There. Give me potatoes. Yeah, I got <laughs> potatoes in there. Yeah, this could be a challenge. Hey, the meat's good. You should bring your own cutlery in there next time. Yeah.
La Caracola is a party space on a strip of sand about 10 minutes outside of Jose Ignacio. The ocean on one side, the lagoon on the other. During the high season, it's a regular hangout for over-the-top asados. Today, Nacho is supervising a meal for a bunch of friends. Martin Pitaluga is the co-owner of La Weja, a restaurant in town that also serves as the mothership for this place. Right? Man, what a I spot. Mean, you look at this, the weather is good. The weather is difficult, but it's beautiful. You stay the whole day. You know, you arrive at right. 2 o'clock and you leave at 9. Nice. So, Jefe, what's cooking? So, it's one of the spots in the fire oven. Wow, look at the, the whole fish baked in salt. Yes. Ribeyes, wow. Some cyclone pig, so some snack. That's no snack, man. That's a meal right there. Wow. Hey, you want to help me in the kitchen Dude. or? A carving, yeah, man. All right. Everybody's here. Fermin, the guys from the band, Lucia, Federico, Diego, and it's time to eat. Oh, yeah. Come on, it's perfect, right? Nice. So how long has this place been here? Like about 12 years. Started as like a shack or a house? Or a... It, was, it used to be a little house in the beach with a bar. You're not allowed to build here anymore, so we bought all this land and that's the only thing we can do. And the food is delicious. Yeah. Well, look at us out here on a sandbar, middle of nowhere, eating like gods. But this is what I love about Uruguay, no? Then you suddenly you take a drive, even like one hour and a half, and, and you're somewhere you're different. in a different world. Good to see. It's really exciting here. I love it here. Every day, you ask me, sure. Hold on, hold on, Every day, hold on. every day. Do you really love it, Tony? Yeah, every day. Do you really, really? He says this, he says this every day. Every day. Me parece que el Uruguay y los uruguayos somos todavía tenemos tamaño humano. Y estamos, me parece que apostando a que uno se podrá desarrollar y ser mejor, pero me parece que queremos ser nosotros. Y ser nosotros es ser gente tranquila, que disfruta de un mate, de un fuego y sobre todas las cosas de tener mucho tiempo para hablar y mucho tiempo para los amigos. Sí, eso es una característica bien de los uruguayos. 
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.